WSET Wine and Spirit Education Trust, Understanding Wines, Explaining Style and Quality. The Systematic Approach to Tasting Wine. The WSET Level 3 Systematic Approach to Tasting Wine, in short SAT, is a tool that allows you to write a complete description of a wine and then use this information to make an evaluation of its quality and readiness for drinking. It is a very structured and methodical approach to tasting and is therefore not an approach that is suitable for every occasion. Nevertheless, practicing with the SAT will improve a disciplined and structured template that will remind you to consider all of the important elements of a wine. The purpose of the SAT. The SAT is a teaching aid and assessment tool that was devised by the WSET to be used in conjunction with its qualifications. It is designed to develop two fundamental skills, the ability to describe a wine currently and the ability to make reasonable conclusions based on these descriptions. The format of the SAT. The first part of the SAT consists of three sections entitled Appearance, Nose and Palate. This is the descriptive element of this SAT. Each section has its own category headings which appear in the left-hand column. The right-hand column lists the terms that you can select to describe each category heading. For example, to describe the appearance of a white wine, you might select clear for the category heading clarity, pale for intensity and lemon for color. In some cases, you're restricted to using the specific terms as they appear listed and in other cases, the specific terms are optional. This is explained in more detail below. The second part of the SAT consists of one section entitled Conclusions. This is the evaluative part of the SAT. It contains two category headings, quality level and level of readiness for drinking slash potential for aging. The right-hand column lists the terms that you can select for each category heading. For example, you might select good, in the quality level category and can drink now but has potential for aging in the level of readiness for drinking slash potential for aging category. In the conclusion section of the SAT, you're restricted to using the specific terms as they appear listed. The SAT is supported by the second document, the wine lexicon. This appears on the reverse side of the laminated SAT card. The wine lexicon is a list of descriptive words covering some suggested aroma and flavor terms that may help you to describe the wine you're tasting. Using the SAT. In the level three tasting examination, the terms you select to describe and evaluate each wine will allow the examiners to assess how currently you can identify its aroma and flavor characteristics and structural components and draw conclusions about its quality and readiness for drinking. The examiners recognize that different tasters have different levels of sensitivity to a wine structure components such as sugar, acidity, tannin, and alcohol. However, the examiners expect that through a combination of practice and coaching, you will have calibrated your palate against those of your educators and peers. In practice, this means being able to classify the levels of certain wine components relative to the general world of wines. Hyphenated lines. Where terms in the right-hand column of the SAT are separated by a hyphen, for example, lemon green slash lemon slash gold slash amber slash brown in color, 
you should select only one of the terms to describe the wine. If you think the wine sits on the border of ruby and garnet, you must make a decision and select one of them, rather than using a range such as ruby to garnet or ruby slash garnet. If the examiner considered that both ruby and garnet are valid descriptors, then marks will be awarded for either descriptor. If you use a range, for example, ruby to garnet, then the examiner will not give you the mark because you have not been specific enough. For hyphenated lines, you must also limit yourself to the words that are used for each scale as they appear in the SAT. For example, when you describe intensity, you must only use the either pale, medium or deep. There are many other descriptors that can be used to describe wine. But for assessment purposes, the use of words needs to be consistent between examiners and candidates, and this is best achieved by limiting you to the words of the SAT. E.G.Lines Note that where aroma characteristics appears in the nose section and flavor characteristics appears in the palate section, terms in the right-hand column are preceded by E.G. For these category headings, you are not restricted to the terms in the right-hand column of the SAT. You are, however, strongly encouraged to use the terms in the wine lexicon. Using the scales. The version of the SAT used for the level 2 award in Wines and Spirit relies on three-point scales to describe the structural components of a wine. For example, the scale for acidity is low, medium and high. At level 3, many of these three-point scales have been refined so that more accurate description can be made. For most of the scales, this improves subdividing the range that is covered by medium into three equal parts. Medium minus, medium, medium plus. To make a five-point scale, it is very important to realize that this is not a scale of five equal parts. For example, medium plus can be thought of as medium but towards the upper end of the medium band. Medium is divided this way because the majority of observations for the majority of wines lie within this range, and subdividing it makes it possible for you to describe a wine more precisely. It can be tempting to overuse medium, including medium plus and medium minus. The danger here is that tasting notes end up consisting almost entirely of mediums and fail to capture the true character of certain ones. In order to avoid this, it can be useful to make an initial assessment using the basic three-point scale, classifying a component as low, medium or high. This restricted range of terms encourages you to be bolder in using the ends of the scale. Then you can return to the components you have described as medium and decide whether to further refine this assessment with plus or minus. Wines that are used in examinations can be some components that have high or low levels. Remember, if you think the acidity is a remarkable feature, but you, your awareness of wines with even higher acidity is making you hesitate to describe it as high rather than medium plus, then you should remember that high is also a range. Be confident to use the ends of the scales. They should be reserved solely for wines that are at the extremes. Note that some scales are not divided this way and 
These will be considered in turn throughout the body of this chapter. Preparing for tasting. In order to taste wine effectively, you need to prepare a suitable tasting environment and you need to prepare yourself. The ideal tasting environment has good natural lighting for judging the appearance of wines and is odor-free to avoid interfering with wine aromas. It also has sufficient space for you to lay out your wine glasses and make your notes. Spittoons should be available near where you're tasting. To prepare yourself, you should have a clean palate, free of toothpaste or the lingering flavor of strong tasting food. You should also be well hydrated because dehydration may cause your nasal aroma receptors to become dry and lose their sensitivity to aromas. Note that it is easy to become dehydrated when tasting a large number of wines, as you will be losing saliva every time you spit out the wine. You will need somewhere to record your notes. This could be something as simple as a notebook and pen, or a laptop or mobile phone with suitable software installed. You will also need suitable glassware, which should be odorless, colorless, and free of any residues, such as detergent or dishwasher salt, or dirt left from unclean glass polished cloths. The ISO glass is suited for evaluating wines. The important features are the rounded bowl to aid swirling the wine to release aromas and the inward sloping walls to capture those aromas. There are many other glasses that are suitable for tasting, but they all share these two features and are small enough to use with a tasting sample of wine rather than requiring a larger sample. When pouring your samples, you should try to ensure your consistency pour the same volume into each glass. We suggest a five centiliter sample. This should be sufficient to assess the appearance, nose and palate of the wine, but small enough that you are able to swirl the sample in the base of the bowl without spilling. Appearance, clarity. For this line, there is only a two-point scale, clear, hazy. The vast majority of wines can be described as clear. Haziness is caused by particles suspended in the wine. If a wine has an unusual high amount of suspended particles, then it can be described as hazy. This may indicate a fault, but the precise nature of the fault can normally only be determined by assessing the wine on the nose and palate. Note that, although some wines are deliberately hazy, these wines will not be used in the level 3 tasting examination. Color. Color is the balance of levels of red, blue, yellow, green and brown found in a wine, and is independent of the level of intensity. The composition of the wine at the rim is the same as the composition at the core, so the color does not change when looking through different parts of the wine in a tilted glass. However, because the depth of liquid changes, the intensity of color changes. White and most rosy wines appear very pale, almost colorless at the rim. So the color is bad just when there is a sufficient depth of liquid for the color to be easily assessed at the core. By contrast, many red wines are so deeply pigmented that they can appear opaque at the core, so the color is most currently assessed near the rim. When assessing color, white wines can be placed on a scale that runs from lemon green to brown. The most common color for white wines is lemon. If there is a noticeable greenness in the color, the wine is lemon green. 
If there is a hint of orange or brown, the wine is gold. Wines with a very noticeable level of browning could be described as amber or brown. But these will generally be wines that are very old or wines that are deliberately oxidated. Red wines can be placed on a scale that runs from purple through to brown. The most common color for red wine is ruby. Wines with a noticeable blue or purple color are described as purple. If there is a noticeable orange or brown color but the wine is still more red than brown, it is described as garnet. If the wine is more brown than red, it may be described as tony. Brown should be used for wines where no redness in the color remains. Tony and brown are usually seen only in very old wines or wines that are deliberately oxidated. A similar scale exists for rosy wines, which can be considered as pale red wines, but by convention have their own set of color descriptions. Pink describes wines that have a very purple pink color. They may display a hint of purple. If a pink colored wine shows a hint of orange, then it can be described as sound. Orange can be used to describe a rosé in which orange is a dominant color. These wines are very rare. Note that although certain colors are more often found at certain levels of intensity, brown in a white wine is usually deep, whereas lemon green is rarely deep, it is possible to encounter all permutations of color and intensity. Thus, deep ruby differs from medium garnet both in the intensity of color and where it lies on the purple to brown spectrum. Other observations. There are a few other observations that can be made about the appearance of a wine. When served in a suitable glass, all wines show legs, streams of liquid that adhere to the side of the glass after the wine has been swirled. Wines that contain sugar or high alcohol levels are more viscous and have thicker, more persistent legs. Some red wines are so intensely colored that the legs are visibly pigmented. Legs are often also called tears. Some wines may have a deposit. This can indicate that the wine is unfined or and unfiltered. Some still wines show a slight carbon dioxide spritz or petillages. Although this can be evidence of a fault, such as re-fermentation or malolactic fermentation in the bottle, some light-bodied unoaked white wines are bottled with some dissolved carbon dioxide as this can add desirable freshness and texture. Bubbles are fundamentally important to sparkling wines. There are a number of factors, in particular the cleanliness of the wine glass, that can affect how the bubbles appear in the glass and therefore their appearance cannot reliably indicate anything about the quality of a wine. Intensity. Intensity is how much color the wine has. The level of intensity can be assessed by holding the glass at a 45 angle and looking through the liquid from above to see how far the color extends from the core at the deepest part of the bowl to the rim, where there is the shallowest depth of the wine. For red wines, it can also be assessed by looking down through the upright glass. In this instance, look at the point where the stem of the glass is attached to the bowl and assess how easily the stem can be seen. All white wines appear colorless right at the rim where the glass is held at the 45 angle. A white wine that has a broad water rim 
should be described as pale, whereas if the pigment reaches almost to the rim, it should be described as deep. For red wines, tilt the glass and look at the rim. If the wine is lightly pigmentated from the rim to the core, it can be described as pale. In this instance, when looking through the upright glass, it should be easy to clearly see the stem of the glass. If the wine is intensely pigmentated right at the rim, it should be described as deep. And looking down through the wine in the bowl, it should be impossible to see the stem. Nose. A large part of the pleasure to be gained from tasting wine comes from the aromas, and the differences in character and complexity of the aromas account for much of the difference between basic quality and very fine wines. You should swirl the liquid to release the aromas into the glass. Then, place your nose near the rim of the glass and take a short sniff, noting the condition, intensity, development and detailed characteristics of the aromas you find. Some aromas are very delicate and you may gain some insight into the wine by taking a quick sniff before swirling. Condition. Assessing faults is not a skill that is assessed in the level 3 tasting examination. Nevertheless, it is important that you are aware of the common wine faults listed below and are able to identify them. TCA. This taint gives the wine aromas reminiscent of damp cardboard. At low levels, the taint can be hard to identify, but fruit flavors in particular will be muted and the wine will appear less fresh. One of the main causes of this fault is taint cork. And for this reason, wine with TCA are often referred as cork. Reduction. This gives the wine a stinky character, sometimes like rotten eggs and sometimes more like boiled cabbage, boiled onions or blocked drinks. Very low levels of reduction can be surprisingly pleasant, adding character and complexity. In some cases, the stinky aromas will dissipate once the bottle is opened. Sulfur dioxide. This is added to almost all wines, but levels tend to be highest in sweet white wines. At very high levels, it can give a wine an acrid smell of recently extinguished matches. At low levels, it can mask the fruitiness of a wine. Insufficient sulfur dioxide can lead to oxidation. Oxidation. This is the opposite of reduction. It is typically caused by a failure of the closure allowing unwanted oxygen to interact with the wine. The wine will appear deeper colored and more brown than it should be. It may have aromas of toffee, honey, caramel or coffee, and it will lack freshness and fruitiness. Note that some wines are made in an oxidative style. In these cases, it is not a fault. Out of condition. These wines have lost their vibrancy and freshness and may taste dull and stale. This is either because they are too old or have been stored in bad conditions. They may be elements of oxidation too. Volatile acidity. All wines have some volatile acidity and low levels help make the wine seem more fragrant and complex. However, high levels of VA can give the wine aromas that are often described as vinegar or nail polish remover. Bretonomyces, bread. This is a yeast that can give wine, plastic or animal aromas reminiscent of sticking plasters, hot vinyl, smoked meat, leather or sweaty horses. Some consumers enjoy these characters and do not consider low levels of bread to be a fault. Intensity. 
As a general rule, if when you insert your nose into the glass, the aromas are immediately apparent, even without sniffing, then they are pronounced. If even after sniffing, you find the aromas to be faint and hard to detect, the intensity is light. Otherwise, it falls into medium category, medium minus, medium or medium plus. Aroma characteristics. Describing a wine's aroma can be a challenging task. When you initially smell a wine, it can be overwhelming, especially if the wine is very complex. The wine lexicon has been designed to help with this part of writing a tasting note by offering a structured approach to aroma identification and description. There are three main types of aroma. Primary aromas, secondary aromas, and tertiary aromas. The wine lexicon is broken down into sections to reflect this. Each aroma type is subdivided into individual clusters, for example, citrus fruit, black fruit, or herbaceous, which each include a number of descriptors, such as grapefruit, lemon, lime, etc. If you work through the individual aroma types systematically and ask yourself questions about the kind of aromas you are smelling, you will be less likely to miss something important. Note that not every wine will have primary, secondary, and tertiary aromas. Primary aromas. These are the aromas that exist after fermentation. Some aromas come from the grapes and others are created during the fermentation process. A simple wine may show a very limited number of primary aromas, often all within the same cluster. A more complex wine may display many more primary aromas in a range of clusters. The vast majority of wines display fruity aromas, but you should always consider whether a wine purely has fruit aromas or whether aromas from the flora, herbaceous or other primary clusters are present. Secondary aromas. These aromas are created by post-fermentation winemaking. The most obvious of these are aromas extracted from oak, such as vanilla and toast. Secondary aromas also include creamy, buttery characteristics from malolactic fermentation, MLF, or the yeasty and biscuity aromas that can develop as a result of lease contact or autolysis. Tertiary aromas. These aromas have their origin in aging processes. The aging process could be oxidative, for example, due to a long period in oak. This can add tertiary aromas such as coffee, toffee or caramel. Alternatively, the aging process could be protected from the action of oxygen, for example, due to long period in a bottle. This can add tertiary aromas such as petrol, honey or mushroom. In both instances, the aging process changes the primary aromas. In particular, fruit aromas become less fresh and can take on dried or cooked character. At this point, care must be taken because dried fruit and cooked fruit aromas can be present in youthful wines that have been made from dried grapes or from grapes grown in a hot climate. Development. Generally, if the wine is dominated by primary or secondary aromas, it can be described as youthful. However, it is common for the secondary aromas such as oak to stand apart from the primary aromas of fruit at this stage, as they are not yet fully developed. If most of the aromas in the wine are still primary and secondary, but some tertiary aromas can be detected, then it is developing. If the predominant aromas are tertiary aromas, the wine can be described as fully developed, even if there are still some primary and secondary aromas present.
At this stage, the secondary aromas will usually be fully integrated and may be hard to distinguish from the tertiary aromas. The period of time it takes a wine to reach this point varies a great deal. For some, it can happen quite quickly, but for others, such as vintage port, it can take decades. Only a handful of wines will remain fully developed for an extended period. Ultimately, all wines will deteriorate when the attractive aromas fade and unpleasant aromas start to develop. At this point, a wine becomes tired or past its best. Because development is a measure of the balance between primary, secondary and tertiary aromas, it is possible that a wine is no longer youthful but it is released for sale. For example, Red Rioja Reservas will have undergone a period of aging before release and will usually have some tertiary aromas. Therefore, when they go on sale, they are developing. Some wines, such as age-indicated Tony Ports and all sherries, undergo an extended period of aging prior to release. Therefore, when they are put on sale, tertiary aromas predominate and these wines are fully developed. Importantly, not all wines benefit from aging. For such wines, the youthful aromas do not change in a positive way and attractive tertiary aromas never develop. They move very rapidly, in some cases in a matter of months from youthful to tired. This is true for almost all rosés, most inexpensive white wines and many inexpensive reds. Palette. There are many different components to be conserved on the palate and it is often necessary to take more than one sip of wine in order to assess it fully. In some cases, the effect of one component can interfere with the impression made by another. Alcohol and fruit, for example, add to the perception of sweetness, whereas acidity can mask sweetness. As a trained master, you are aiming to assess the actual levels of these components, not the apparent level, but reference to objective criteria. Sweetness. Sweetness is the taste of sugars present in the wine. A dry wine has no sugar or has levels that are so low that they cannot be detected by the tongue. If the wine has a tiny amount of detectable sugar, the wine is described as off-dry. Many dry, as Alsace-Gewürztraminer, uh, Put champagnes and inexpensive reds and whites are in fact of dry. Medium dry and medium sweet cover wines with a distinct presence of sugar, but which are in generally not sweet enough to partner most desserts. Medium sweet wines have higher levels of detectable sugar than medium dry wines. Sweet covers wines where the presence of sugar has become the predominant feature of the wine. This rather broad category covers most classic sweet wines such as Sauternes and Port. There are a few very sweet wines that are described as luscious. Here the level of sugar is such that the wines are notably more viscous and the wine leaves the mouth and lips with a sticky sweet sensation after swallowing or spitting. Examples include Rutherglen Muscats and PX Sherries. Acidity. The main acids in wine are tartaric and malic from the grape juice or lactic, converted from malic acid in all reds and many whites. In some cases, acid is added in the winery. Unlike volatile acidity, these acids are odorless and can only be detected on the palate. For most people, acidity is detected most strongly at the sides of the tongue, where it causes a sharp tingling sensation and makes your mouth 
water as it tries to restore its natural acid balance. The more your mold waters and the longer it waters, the higher the level of acidity in the wine. Note that if you are dehydrated when you're tasting, your mouth will water less. Wines described as having low acidity will feel broad, round and soft. High acidity tends to be found in wines made from grapes ripened in cool conditions and can cause these wines to be especially mouth-watering. When considering the acidity in a wine, there are two points to remember. First, high levels of sweetness and acidity can mask each other. In a sweet wine, the high acidity is not the single predominant feature. Rather, it serves to balance with the high sugar levels. Therefore, the acidity in a sweet wine will appear less obvious compared with the acidity in a dry, high-acid wine such as Chablis. However, whatever the level of sugar, the mouth-watering effect caused by acidity remains and this is always a reliable guide when it comes to judging the level of acidity. Second, alcohol can create a burning sensation similar to acidity. Again, consider the mouth-watering effect to see whether this is due to acidity or alcohol in any particular wine. Tannin. Tannins are an important structural component in red wines that are mostly extracted from the skins of the grapes during fermentation. Tannins bind to your saliva and cause your mouth to dry up and feel rough. They contribute to the textual richness of a wine. The drying sensation can be felt most clearly on the gums above your front teeth, so ensure you coat this area with a little of the wine you're tasting. Tannins can sometimes also have a bitter taste that is detected most clearly at the back of the mouth. The level of tannins should be assessed for all red wines but does not need to be commented on for white wines. It should be noted that not all tannins have the same effect. Unripe tannins tend to be more aggressively astringent whereas ripe tannins can contribute more to the textual richness. It takes experience to be able to conclude that a basic quality Pinot Noir made from barely ripe grapes has a medium level of tannins despite them being astringent and harsh, whereas a high quality Shiraz from a hot region may have high levels of velvety smooth ripe tannins despite showing little astringency. If the tannins are astringent, ask yourself if the body of the wine feels thin. If it does, this is a good indication of low tannin levels. On the other hand, if the astringency is low, ask yourself if the wine is very fully bodied and mouth filling. If it is, this can be a good indication of a high level of tannins. Alcohol. Alcohol contributes to the texture and body of the wine. Alcohol is more viscous than water and high levels make the wine seem heavier in the mouth. At low levels, the wine can seem a bit watery unless there is another component such as sugar to give the wine body. At high levels, alcohol triggers pain receptors, giving a hot burning sensation, especially after spitting or swallowing. This burning sensation can be confused with the tingling sensation caused by acidity. Therefore, if you are trying to distinguish the two, consider whether the wine is also mouth-watering and therefore high in acidity or feels thick and viscous and high in alcohol. Remember that it may be high in both. Alcohol levels in wine are generally rising, but as a guide, 
low is below 11 ABV, medium between 11 and 13.9 ABV, and high 14 ABV and above. The alcohol levels for fortified wines are also split into three. Low is between 15 and 16.4 ABV, medium 16.5 and 18.5 ABV, and high above 18.5 ABV. Body. Body or mouthfeel is the texture impression created by a wine. It is not a single component, but is an overall impression created by all the structural components working together. For most wines, alcohol is the main factor contributing to body. Sugar adds to the body, whereas high acidity makes a wine feel lighter in body. Generally, high levels of tannin make a wine feel fuller bodied, but low levels of astringent tannin can make it seem harsher, thinner and therefore lighter in body. For certain wines, judging the body is relatively straightforward. A wine that is high in alcohol with ripe tannins and intense flavors is very clearly full-bodied, whereas a wine that is low in alcohol, high in acidity and delicately flavored is very clearly lightly bodied. For wines that are sweet but high in acidity and low in alcohol, it can be hard to agree on the level of the body and the decision will be based on which of these factors contributes the most to the texture of the wine. Mousse. Mousse is relevant only in the discussion of sparkling wines. For most sparkling wines, expect the mousse to be creamy, in other words, enough to provide a lively sparkle on the palate without seeming too frothy or aggressive. Some young sparkling wines are extremely lively and seem to explode on the palate. Then, lose all their bubbles in a very quick blast. These would be described as aggressive. Other sparkling wines, generally those that have undergone extensive aging or those that are bottled at a lower than typically pressured or dissolved carbon dioxide, have bubbles that are very soft and fine. These are described as delicate. Flavor intensity and characteristics. Generally, flavors on the palate should be the same as aromas detected on the nose. However, the warming of the wine in your mouth can make some characteristics more apparent than they were on the nose. Earthy, spicy and toasty characteristics tend to be more predominant on the palate. Fruity and floral characteristics are sometimes less predominant and on the palate than they appear on the nose. Finish. The finish is the collection of sensations after you have swallowed or spat the wine out. How long these sensations linger is an important indicator of quality, but when assessing the length of the finish, you should only count the persistence of the desirable sensations. A wine with a very long lingering bitterness could be described as having a bitter aftertaste, but if the fruit impressions disappear quickly, the finish should be described as short. How long the sensations last will vary from taster to taster. Generally, for a basic quality wine, the pleasant flavors will often disappear within a few seconds, and the finish is short. For a very fine wine, the flavors can last for a minute or more, and the finish is described as long. Conclusions In the level 3 examination, you will be expected to evaluate a wine's quality and its readiness for drinking. In doing so, you will not be expected to provide reasons for your choice 
but it is important that you understand the relevant factors to consider. Quality level. Many criteria are commonly used when assessing the quality of a wine. Although there are instances where wine professionals disagree about the quality of a wine, in most cases there is a broad agreement about both the quality level of the wine and the reasons for its quality level. This is possible because there are a number of criteria that are widely used when it comes to assessing quality. Balance. In wines, balance can be thought of a set of scales with fruit and sugar on one side and acidity and tannins on the other. An increase in fruit or sugar can be brought into balance by an increase in acid or tannin. With too little fruit or sugar, a wine can seem angular, austere or thin. With too little acidity or tannin, it can seem unstructured and clumsy. When assessing balance, you should also consider how well integrated each of the separate components are. For example, even if the fruit is balanced by acidity, the acidity could seem harsh or aggressive. Alcohol should be well integrated, whatever its level, and so should aromatic components, such as those derived from oak. When assessing a wine, ask yourself three questions. How is the overall balance achieved? Looking at the overall balance, how well balanced is the wine? And how well integrated are each of these wine components? Intensity. A wine that has weak, dilute flavors is seldom high in quality, but beyond a certain level, more intensity does not necessarily mean higher quality. When discussing quality, some people also refer to a wine's intensity as its concentration. Length. This refers to how long the finish is. In other words, how long the pleasant sensations linger after the wine has been swallowed or spat out. Generally, wines that are intense also have a long finish. Complexity. Complex flavors and aromas are desirable features in a wine. The complexity can come from the primary aromas and flavors alone, or it may come from the combination of these with secondary and tertiary characteristics. However, simplicity is not always a negative, and not all premium wines are complex. Sometimes, purity and clarity of expression are what makes a great wine, and the presence of oak or tertiary characteristics, for example, might detract from the quality. Ice wines often fall into this category. In terms of putting a wine into quality categories, think about how well it scores on these four criteria. An outstanding wine will show positive against all four criteria. A wine that is very good will show positively against three of the criteria, but fall short on one. For example, it may be well balanced with a range of different aromas and flavors of medium intensity but have a short finish. If it is just good, then the wine will show positively against two of the criteria but fall short on other two. An acceptable wine will show positively against one criteria but fall short on other three. For example, although the wine may be balanced, it would be dilute with simple flavors and a short finish. A pure wine will have problems when judged on all four criteria. Readiness for drinking. The first thing to consider when assessing readiness for drinking is whether the wine is made in a style that can benefit from aging at all. 
If it mainly shows primary aromas and flavors with a light acid and tannin structure, then it almost certainly will not benefit from further aging. Most of these wines will therefore fall into the drink now not suitable for aging or further aging category. If it seems like the wine should have been fruity, with a light tannin or acid structure, but it has lost its freshness, then it's simply too old. If the wine has a firm structure of acid and tannin, and has sufficient level of flavor concentration, then it might benefit from aging. You need to consider what will happen to the wine with time, and this requires experience of seeing how wines develop in a bottle. Generally, the aromas and flavors develop away from the primary fruit characteristics and towards more tertiary characteristics and the tannins soften. The alcohol level does not change, and acidity and sugar levels change very little. With this in mind, you can make a tentative prediction of how the wine will develop over time, and how much the development will improve the wine compared with how it tastes now. If you think that the wine is drinkable pleasurey now, but will improve positively in the next few years, then it can place in the can drink now, but has potential for aging category. If you believe that the wine will be so much better in a few years time, that it would be a waste to drink it now, then you may classify it as too young. For example, some red wines can be very tannic when they are released and need a few years to balance the tannins and soften and the wine to become better balanced. If the wine has undergone an aging process but is close to the end of its drinkability life or if it is in decline, then you should classify it as drink now, not suitable for aging or further aging. If you think that the wine has declined so far that it is the negative changes have come to dominate the wine, then it is simply too old.